When you're drinking a frozen beverage from McDonald's, your brain may not like how refreshingly cold it is, but the rest of your body, oh yes, it's gonna relish every moment of it because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get all the chill you need for just $1.69 from any size frozen drink like a frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry to a new ice cold lemonade. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to the latest episode of Stories from the Pack. Um, it's, it's our Christmas special, um, as you may see if you're watching on YouTube behind us. Um, so on this festive show, um, I'm joined by um, someone who um, um, is part of a, a local group, um, and that is the Dancing Bin Men, and that is Aid. And he's got a Christmas single out at the moment, so he's going to join us um, for this episode to talk a little bit about that, but very much so to really talk about his stories from the pack and his um, association as a Wolves fan. So, Aid, first of all, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, Ryan. Good to speak to you. No, good to speak to you. I mean, just to put everyone in the picture, me and Aid have known each other for a number of years. Aid is, is my brother-in-law. And I wanted to get Aid on because, essentially, um, really since we first met, as you do, football is a great icebreaker. And fortunately, um, Aid Aid was was a Wolves fan or is a Wolves fan, so an even better icebreaker. And we got you sort of on straight away, chatting as you do. And you know, many of the stories that Aid has gone through, you know, the ups and downs, I think are a fantastic story. And some of them, you know, I may be hearing for the first time, and I think they're going to be really great to share. So we'll touch on his Wolves stories in a moment, which I know you'll look forward to listening to. But I mentioned the dancing bin men at the start, and because it's Christmas, um, and there's a little bit of a theme here. Hey, talk us through the dancing bin men in terms of for those who aren't aware of yourself and I believe Jack and Henry, how you came together and how that culminated uh, in a Christmas single as well. Yeah, it, it probably is the craziest story you'll ever hear, Ryan. Um, it was three guys, three regular bin men for the City of Wolverhampton Council. Uh, got put together as a team in April. As a lot of people did, this TikTok phenomenon took hold. Uh, we became quite popular. A few kind of goofy dance videos were done in the streets. The residents of Wolverhampton jumped on board. They liked them. Loads of support, loads of press coverage. There was radio, there was TV, you know, the Express and Star were on it early doors. It was uh, a very light-hearted, humorous time amongst obviously darker times that we're all, we've all been experiencing this year. So that's how it started. It progressed all the way through the period of the first lockdown. Again, gained a lot of attention, a lot of followers, a lot of kind of worldwide attention, even from the USA to Australia. So, yeah, it became quite a talk, talking point to, in, in Wolverhampton and beyond, really. So, yeah, it was fun. Brilliant. I mean, you know, everyone's had different journeys this year and we've, we've spoke before. And I think, you know, what yourself and I think Henry um, and Jack have, have been able to do is get that out there in the community. 
and provide you know that community spirit all, all year round effectively and and with the christmas single on a on a wolves connection as well i believe you teamed up with stephen barrett from the wolfpack howlers to to record the single yeah we did it was um Again, as a crew with Henry and Jack, we're always coming up with new ideas, new dances. What can we put out to where? Um, it was probably going back to September-ish. We were in um, Penn in Wolverhampton and we said, shall we do a Christmas song? Which again, this was three bin men, just normal everyday bin men in Wolverhampton, not having any musical background. And before you know it, within 200 yards, we'd got a title of a song. We'd got some lyrics and verses. We were tapping our toes already to the beat. And we approached Stephen Barrett simply because we kind of knew where his mom lived. It was as simple as that. We knocked on her door and we said, Mrs. Barrett, would your son be interested in recording a Christmas single? She said, I'm sure he'd love it. And from that day, Boogie Around the Bins at Christmas time was born. Um, we were lucky enough to go into a studio in probably late October, put a song together. We put a video together and yeah, we, we put it out there to purchase on November the 20th. And yeah, there's a Christmas song out there made by Wolverhampton bin men it was you know it's made for the people we, we tried to sell it as that we're kind of we belong to the city of Wolverhampton we're very much part of the community so this is everybody's song you know it's a terribly dark year but this is everybody's song it, it's a bit of fun but it's actually quite a good track so all the musicians the Wolfpack Howlers were recruited you know it was great production behind it we've got you know, strings, horns, everything on it, jingle bells, sleigh bells. It, it's it's a great track, you know, so we, we're very proud of it. No, and so you should be in it. And, and we'll put a link up, um, you know, for people to um, to download if they wish to do so. I think you can stream it, what, 79p, I think it is? Uh... Yes, yeah, 79p would be good. Um, we're hoping, obviously, if it makes enough funds that we might be able to do something to to give less fortunate children at Christmas. You know, if we could get some gifts out to them, that, that would be ideal, but let's wait and see. Brilliant. And and, and as I say, you know, it, for the town motto, you know, out of darkness come a fly and, and, and it comes in different ways. And, and, you know, something that's unique and is throwaway can provide hope. And I guess a bit of escapism as well for people this year. So um, yeah, check out the Dancing Bin Men online. We'll put all the links out there. Um, just so you, you know what they're all about and should you wish to download the single and, and help out in the community, um, there's your opportunity to do so as well. So um, moving on to, to, to Walls and the, the episode in hand, Stories from the Pack, um, hey, just take me up in terms of um, you know your first memories of, of Walls, your first team and, and your first experience. I believe, was it sort of, would you tie that down to late 70s, early 80s as sort of your era coming in? Yeah, absolutely bang on right. It's been a career of going, which has certainly gone through 40 years now. So, mm. yeah, and I would always count myself blessed. We've not seen the uh, the best of times during that 40-year span. But, you know, it's a journey that if you offered me the ticket again, I would jump on board and say, I want to take this ride with Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, first kind of memories, like you say, was late 70s. And I was fortunate enough at eight years old to do the League Cup final of 1980. I think even now I've got such a fondness for that team, although some of the kind of players were maybe reaching the end of their careers. They are the names that I can literally reel off now, whether it's Bradshaw or, or Daniel, you know, and Emlyn and George Berry, Derek Park and Willie Carr, Hibbert, JR, Andy Gray, Mel Eves, you know, Colin Brazier. 
you know, they were the names, they were very much the um, the poster boys of my formative years of, you know, eight, nine, ten or whatever. So, yeah, that, that was a team that I'm, I'm still very fun, fond of. Um, after then, obviously, we had more than a blip. We, we went down, but you had to look for new heroes and new heroes came along in the shape of Billy the Kid Livingstone. I remember players like that. I remember John Pender as the centre-half. Mick Matthews as a num number 11. I think there was lone strikers like Billy Kellogg, which you, you suddenly needed to attach because, you know, your heroes, your poster boys of 1980 were gone. Um, John Burridge, the Superman outfit. Yeah. I think that was a Blackburn at home on a first match of the season. I, I remember remember that vividly, you know, so that was good. And obviously Kenny Hibbert was, was always the hero then. Um, darker days obviously followed, still went. Uh, dropped obviously through all the divisions. Um, 1986 came along. Um, Brian Brian Little was um, custodian at the start of the season. Then Graham Turner came in, as obviously everybody listening knows this. Um, and then more emergence of Stevie Ball. Um, I would have been 14 when Bully rocked up at Molyneux in November '86, and the journey that Bully gave me, and I'm sure everybody listening was absolutely incredible. You know, we all became Bully fans, Wolves fans first, but we were Bully fans. And it, it was very much the kind of resurrection of a club. And I thought Steve was at the forefront of that. You know, obviously there were 10 other players, but, you know, with the Bully goals of 52 goals and 50 goals and coming out of the fourth, coming out of the third, the season after, it was a phenomenal time. And obviously that was topped with Steve going on to represent England at Italia 90. And I think that's the thing, Ed. I mean, you know, you mentioned sort of your first team and your first heroes, and it's the kind of the adage of you don't forget your first love, do you? You know, your yeah. first team is your first team, and those players that you reeled off there, to to many of, of your era, and you know, will will know those names and they'll bring back some great memories. But they're not some of those aren't household names, and they, they perhaps won't be in the Hall of Fame, but. They've been your Hall of Fame, as cheesy as that sounds, because they were your team and your first heroes and your your Wayne's to, to Wolves as well. And, you know, you, you're right, there'll be a lot of people listening who will know them, but there'll be, there'll be fans who've just recently gone on board and, and perhaps aren't aware of that real, as you described, that Phoenix from the Flames, where your first experience I find really interesting, where you get to a Wembley Cup final and, you know, we're, we're looking good. And then... You know, it's all documented yeah. in terms of the batty years and so forth and yeah. training on the car park and so forth. Yeah. Um, but I think what's interesting is I get the impression from yourself, you never waned in terms of, you know, mm. your, your that, that, That's absolutely true, right? It, it is, you know, it's your club and it's your first and only love. Um, those kind of fall through the divisions was really tough. Even as a young man, I, I did understand that we were kind of three or four minutes away from literally going. And that, that was twice. You know, it was, you know, if I recall, it was maybe 82 and 86, 84 rather, and Wolves were going to the wall. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, what if they go? But then I think somebody says, oh, there's going to be an Asda. So the club was saved. But, you know, it... <laughs> It's tough. It, it was it was real tough. But amongst all that darkness, you would still go to Halifax on a Tuesday night or you do Spotlands for Rochdale, you know, literally everywhere where the walls were. We still went new heroes, 
would come and go, whether names like um, Neil Edwards, Rambo Edwards, I think. I, I remember getting absolutely walloped at Rotherham away 6-0, I think it was, in an FA Cup. And I think we went there the week later or two weeks later and won with a last-minute goal, I seem to recall. So there was matches like that that stand out at Millmore, you know, the, the most crazy far away grounds, Exeter on a bank holiday Monday, you know, it, it was a time, but people ask me now kind of what were your best days? What's your best team? Are we talking obviously this current incarnation of Wolves, the, the, the Nuno revolution, which is absolutely fantastic. But there was lots of joy to be had about the successes in the fourth division. Heroes like Floyd Street, you know, uh, Stevie Stout, Names like that, obviously, Bull, Much, Dennison, Nigel Vaughan, Phil Robinson, Keith Downing, you know, great, great players. So however much we can lord Ruben and Raul and Neto, there were heroes in the darker days, kind of, that were getting walls to, to build back up again to, to find us where we are today. So bad times kind of in the record books, third, fourth division, bad times. But I believe that you know, everybody that were there would probably say, we had some great days. You know, we had some great, great days. You know, even at the top of the table clash with Northampton away at a ground that was more lopsided than ours. And it was just a, a kind of string fence down the, the side of the pitch where the cricket pitch was next to it. Fantastic days. These were big, big matches for Wolves back then. And I think just, just you know, listening there, I think when you talk about the players and... Do you think? Hey, do you think there's a there's an argument that it, there probably isn't an argument actually to this that the players were just more relatable that you know you would see the players out and about and you know mm. you were you you know you were you know it's infamous in terms of the train on the car park and I referenced that yeah. earlier and you know I, I I think the current crop as we know and I know you've been down to the training ground with with Logan for example and the, yeah. they're fantastic absolutely golden with you know mm. uh, you know obviously COVID's difficult at the moment but when mm. you can get up close and personal they're wonderful so this isn't a discredit to them yeah but I just think yeah maybe was there something within that era where it just kind of felt as if they were just the bloke down the street and they didn't feel as sort of as I don't know on, on a pedestal mm. as if that makes sense yeah I can give you a story right that obviously at my first job I was 16 years old um, I used to take my annual leave and rather than go away I'd, um, you know, spend the two weeks in Wolverhampton because I didn't actually live in the city at that time, which will become clear in a few moments, I'm sure. I used to take two weeks leave, stop with my grandparents in Wolverhampton, and each day I'd get up and I'd phone the club up. I distinctly remember speaking to Dot in the reception area at the Wolves and saying, where are Wolves training today? And she'd either say Castlecroft or Dunstall race, race course or on the, on the car park, as you referenced. And I'd jump on a pass on my push bike, not even knowing where Castlecroft was. But somehow <laughs> I'd, I'd find the way, you know, just to watch them training. Dunstall Racecourse was fantastic. And I'd be over there every morning, literally just watching the, the players, you know, at close hand, you know, just fabulous memories. You know, I can recall coming out of the Castlecroft Stadium and I think the players were probably sick to death of me actually wanting Bully to sign yet another picture. <laughs> um, all the cars would leave training and I'd be on the push bike and I remember people like Downing hanging out of the passenger window, kind of giving his car a little wobble towards me. You know, it was the mm -hmm. smiles and the waves and the sea tomorrow. So, yeah, different days, but no less enjoyable, you know, but great times. And I guess there's, there, there was probably camaraderie as well, wasn't there? You know, in terms of 
that togetherness because you know the, the club had gone up against the wall and was in really tough times yeah. and um I don't know what are what are my favorite sort of memories I, I unfortunately I was a little bit too young but um it just missed me by but I remember watching it on VHS and people will know this moment where um the the Wolves fan um climbs into the dressing room uh mm. with Bully puts his arm around in and said come on me babies what game was that yeah. that must have been you know I think that, I think that was a that was a Notts County in the um, yeah. semi-final to get to Wembley for obviously the Sherpa van but yeah, yeah fantastic scenes fantastic night that was you know what a great night that's again if that was coming in 88 I would probably guess I seem to remember Central News or something did a feature and said that there was something like 18 or 19,000 fans packed into Molyneux that night which was an absolutely massive number because people might not realize that even when Bully came at the start of that November 86 I think his debut was in front of about 3,000 fans at Molyneux and it was kind of three four five thousand was the norm with the goals, with the success, with climbing the table, you know, it reached the dizzy heights of 10,000, which I, I remember a game, it might have been Colchester in a first leg of a playoff at Molyneux, and it was something like 9,900, and I couldn't believe Molyneux was so full, because mm. it had been empty for, you know, quite a few years. Um, just touching on that, we played Colchester and then Aldershot in the final, it was the first year of the playoffs, now, Wolves were in the fourth division and not expected to go up. They'd not had the best start, but we went on a mazy, crazy run from about the January through to, to April, and it put ourselves right in the offing for promotion. I think there was a pivotal match at South End. We needed something on a, a kind of dark Friday night down there, and I think we lost 1-0, something like that. But that kind of kick-started a run of 12 games, something like that, without defeat. Uh, got to the playoffs, and then we got... Like I say, we got to Aldershot. Um, if anyone's been, I think it was called the Recreation Ground. Again, a rainy, dark Friday night. I recall there was lots of tennis courts behind the away end. You, you kind of had to maze through this public park to, to get in the stadium. Um, didn't go our way. Lost 2-0. And I think we even lost the home leg 1-0. That was a real, real dis disappointment. But fortunately, Wolves and Graham Turner were able to bounce back the following season. And we literally swept the division. So better times. And that was the year of doing the double, obviously, in 1988 with the, the Sherpa van success. And, and that, that day, that, that Sherpa van, I think you mentioned earlier, vivid in your mind in terms of, you know, the game and how that, that played out. Yeah, it was it was the Twin Towers. You know, mm. I, I remember everything. Obviously, I was 16 at that time. And I remember sporting one of the white caps with the black horns on the side with Beware of the Bull. You know, that, that seemed to be the, the fashion item of the day. But, yeah, fantastic. You know, again, the flags, the noise. I think Wolves took 52,000 out of the 82, which were recorded there. And, yeah, fantastic memories. And, obviously, the parade around the town a couple of days later or whatever. So, great times. That tinged with disappointment for the year after, though. Um, we thought we were on again. Obviously, Wolves had gone through the third division. And again, we were one step away from going to Wembley for another double, a double-double, as you were. Um, we had, who was it, Ryan? Remind me, it was Torquay mm. in the semi-finals for another place in the Sherpa Van final. Went down to Torquay, night match. I think it was something like restrictions on the away supporters. It might have been 400. It was a balloted ticket, lucky to get one. 
Wolves losing 1-0, a couple of three minutes to go. Stevie Bull up our end got two two goals, which was fantastic. It was a 2-1 first leg victory, so it was fantastic. Seeing Bully running up to the fence, you know, was really, really special. Um, three odd days later, the Express and Star for the return leg did a glossy supplement that says it's Wembley next stop. There was lots of pictures of the players on the beach at Torquay, you know, training for the first leg. All geared up. We're going back to Wembley again. The champagne's on ice. Tell me, mom, me son, to put that champagne on ice. We're going to Wembley twice. All this kind of malarkey. And we lost. And I was devastated, absolutely devastated. So, again, we lost at Burnley last night in the Premier League. Was I disappointed? Of course. But, you know, the hurt, we, we'd come off the back of the Chorley thing. But all of this whipped up to going to Wembley again. That was a real sucker punch, that one. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. It's it, it's it's when you kind of get the momentum and it builds and it builds yeah, and then yeah. it's, you know, you can take games in isolation. But yeah, I, I was just thinking there where you mentioned um, Burnley and I think there's a really good parallel here because, you know, fast fast forward, you know, to, in, in recent times to, to go to, to Wembley in, recently in the new Wembley, I mean, did you think, I, I, it's a difficult question, like, a 16-year-old watching Wolves then, that it would have been so long for you to have seen Wolves at Wembley again? And I guess it, it just it just must have felt very diff, a different experience as well. And, you know, being able to take your son as well and, you know. Yeah, that um, obviously the Tottenham fitch, fixture you're referring to was a fantastic day. You know, we can talk about the Man City's away in recent time, the Triori double, but that Tottenham one at Wembley was very, very special. Obviously, taking my son Logan, you know, to Wembley to, to see that, you know, was absolutely fantastic. That That's a day that will not be forgotten, I think. Obviously, going to the new Tottenham Stadium, another victory, which was fantastic, but I think that Wembley one was very, very special. And, um, you know, you mentioned... Um you know, some of, the, some of the games that you've been to over the years, and you mentioned Bully, I think there was a particularly memorable, um, and it's memorable in the record bro- uh, books as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about the background, and for those that aren't aware, with the, the game at the baseball ground and, and Bully's goal. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, again, I was a young man, and I was actually living in Derby for my early years, born in Wolver, but, you know, lived in Derby for my sins, so going to school with Derby fans, Forest fans and the like. Obviously, always sporting a Wolves hat and scarf, you know, whether in summer or winter, I'd always be kitted out in Wolves gear at school. Um, you know, the the, the the Derby thing, Ryan, I, I know where this is going. Um, bully was the idol. We're in the fourth division, came through and I was always bully, bully, bully crazy. They sat in the other, going to school, so it would be the... The ribs, you know, everything was uh, the pelters, as they say now, were, were given out to me every day. Um, bully was getting the goals week in, week out. I was a massive Bully fan, as we've already said. Um, he was on 193 goals. I think he needed one more to break John Richards' all-time record of 194. And he'd not scored for a few games. And this fixture was looming large that Wolves were going to visit the baseball ground. I told everybody at school, I think it was, that Bully's going to break this record at Derby. No, whatever, whatever. He's going to do it at Derby. And yet, lo and behold, there was this record-breaking goal, which was very much a Bully bursting through, falling over. It kind of scuffed off his boot. It bounced over Martin Taylor's body. I think the despairing 
dive and it just about made it but yeah that was uh, scenes of you know craziness in the away end so yeah great great memory you know brilliant and um what we're going to hear from aid next is um a little known european trip that aid took on a tuesday night <laughs> This is what renting furniture with Feather looks like. Pieces that fit your style and your space and cost less than your monthly phone bill. Oh, and did we mention delivery and assembly included? Feather. Start renting at livefeather.com. So, yeah, just referencing there in terms of, you know, um, starting out late 70s, a little bit of Europe. We've seen Europe. Um, you know, on the on the main stage recently, we've gone out in the Europa League. But for those that aren't aware, um, sort of in the nineties, there was a, a cup competition called the Anglo Italian Cup, um, which might have sparked a bit of interest when people are listening. Um, and for those that aren't aware, it was it was a sort of a, a competitive. I think Port Vale were very good in it for some reason. There was it, <laughs> I remember that. Right? Yeah, I, I think even Birmingham went on lofty European journeys with it maybe Birmingham I remember Stoke might put Wolves mm. out at Molyneux so it wasn't just all Italian teams in it you know but, but yeah we can go back to 1994 and I would again I was lucky enough to go on a trip to Venice away on a Tuesday <laughs> night which was a bit of a special car journey that was taken I think there was five of us you know crammed in this car and it took until the Thursday night at 10 o'clock to get back. So that was a bit of a mission via obviously France and Belgium and Holland and Germany and Austria and, you know, and all the way down to uh, Venice in Italy. But yeah, great experience. I seem to remember it. It was a rubbish match. Wolves were wearing the white nutmeg kit under Graham Taylor, I think it was. There was about 600 paying customers there. Not many Wolves fans, you know, 50 to 100 if I'm being generous. Quite an experience. Obviously, we got to the ground on a boat which was great. Wow. But yeah, there we go. Wolves in Venice on a Tuesday night. That was pretty good. I'm, I'm just imagining some sort of Top Gear type sort of journey down into like. sort of mo- motor. Yeah. How are we going to get there? We've got to get to this game, which yeah. you, unless you're inside yeah. of Wolverhampton and probably in Venice, people probably didn't realise what was quite going on. That was but absolutely it's, true. You right? know, it's one of those moments where I just think it, it's, it is a little bit... Um, bizarre really to think you're going to yeah. Venice for a competitive fixture you know with less than yeah. 550 Wolves fans yeah yeah um and then and then it goes you know on on a, on a bigger scale as, as we've seen and hopefully we'll be back soon you know the opportunity for you to go away to, to Portugal as well and yeah I, I could never have dreamed that I'm going to reference Logan again you know he's he's seven years old now but he's been going since he was seven months believe it or not and you know, he's certainly been attending every match with me since he was two years old. So it's the journey that he's on now is very different to what I did. Yeah. And if ever we say, what a lucky young man, you know, to, to do all these stadiums that he's done, you know, whether it's, I don't know, he's enjoyed Barnsley and Reading, but he's also experienced, obviously, as we referenced Tottenham, you know, the Tottenham's, Man City's, Chelsea's, Liverpool's, you know, Southampton's, everything rolls off. He's been so, so lucky to be able to to come around the country and see this successful side. He's got new heroes now, but even he doesn't forget the past, you know. When I refer to Bully as the king, you know, he knows full well who I'm talking about and he knows Kenny Hibbert, you know, when I'm talking about Kenny Hibbert. So 
he, he knows his history. But it's, it's you know, it's, it's a hell of a story. And, you know, I think Erie is coming into to screen as well. I mean, Logan, you must, you must be missing going to the games at the moment now. Yeah. Yeah, What's the best I mean, part about going to the game? Um, the best part of, about going to the game is the noise in the in the crowd. So for those audio listeners, because it's going on YouTube and on audio, this is Logan, who's been referenced, who is uh, his aide aid son, and has probably clocked a... <laughs> how many games are you up to now, Logan, do you know? About 150-odd, something 150. like that. Yeah. And and this is it, you know. This is this is you know. This is not an unusual thing, but it's it's about families coming together, and it's about aid. It must be about for you passing it on, you know. And he'll have different experiences, as you say, because let's be honest. The, the I mean, the world is very different now for for, mm. for any of us. But you know, let's talk in in general terms. The eighties and nineties, you're not going to experience that type of, of of era for many different reasons, socially, economically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but you know, so it, it is a different world. But mm. I mean, who knows? Football goes in full cycles, and we certainly don't want to go to the places we were in the eighties. Yeah, but yeah. It, there is a building, isn't there? Is there is a fabric in in being able to kind of go up the leagues and, and down and but he'll have his his experience and and in you know forty years time hopefully he'll be chatting to someone else and telling them you know about the times where he you know I, he, I think there comes a time now Ryan when you know it, it's two or three minutes before the the team are due to come out and then we get the the, the big fanfare we get the the fireworks the noise the light show whatever it was that the flames going crazy or whatever and you know i look at him and i look at the the 32000 in the stadium and I, i'm holding logan up and he's holding his little puppet wolf and i look at him and i'm choked with emotion i'm mm. choked with happiness and i'm thinking son these truly are the best days of our lives certainly my 40 mm. year career these are great days. I've, I've said the fourth division was great, but these are very, very special days. And I think I get so emotional when I'm holding him because I think you're here. You know, I'm proud that you're here and I'm, I'm so blessed that you're here now. So great days for Logan to enjoy. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, from a family level, I know for yourself and I know for many listening and, and we talk about being part of the pack because it is so, so true. And you know, hopefully when we talk, when we do this series and we, we bring back some really good memories for people and kind of give people a bit of hope to say, you know, there'll be a point soon where we'll all be meeting up again because I know you have your routine, mm-hmm. you know, you've been in the, the steep ball stand for a number of years amongst um, Robert Plant, uh, who I know is, is a neighbour of yours until recently in the, the steep ball. But, you know, friends that you've, you know, that you've known over the years or known just through walls, you know. Yeah, yeah, that it's one of the things you, you can know so many faces in the town. You know, you may have heard, right, I like to frequent the goose in town. Yes. Kind of a, a before and after <laughs> as a ritual. But you, you, there's so many Wolves faces that you see in town and you see them week after week, every fortnight, whether they're in the billy, the hogs, you know, the tap, the still. You, you know these faces and you can give them a nod or, or a smile. You've never spoke to them. You don't know their names, but you all know that they know you and you know them. And we know that they've got the, the program in the back pocket curled up and they'll probably wake up with it on the Sunday morning if it gets home. But <laughs> they are your mates. You know, we miss that whole match day routine. My match day's kind of changed now pre-match because I take Logan to see the coach. Mm. And 
one of the experiences I could tell you about missing out on at the minute is that, as so many people do now, but we, we do it at the away matches as well, we see the players disembark the coach. And if he gets one wave off, whether it's Raul or Connor, this, that and the other, it absolutely means the world to him. Mm. You know, he's fortunate, you know, some of them do look over. I think they do recognise him. It's That is really, really special. So we're missing out on that. But what I've taken to do these last few months, when we're obviously locked out of Molyneux, we'll still go up on a match day, not to cause any problems, just to do a lap of the ground. We literally just walk hand in hand all the way around the Molyneux and he'll, you know, he'll come out of the subway and he'll chant his songs and you can hear the noise coming from the speakers in the stadium. You can mm. almost like smell it. You can feel it that it's a match day. There's half an hour till kickoff, but we can't go in. But I'm still taking him up there because it's routine. It's what we do. We, we are Wolves people. That's what we do. And then we'll come home and watch it on TV. But yeah, we're missing going in, desperately missing going in. But for, for our relationship and our relationship with the club, you know, we're going to keep going. That's what we do. And I think that's the thing, you know, relationship is key here. You know, you have... I think you have your own personal relationship with the club as a fan, and then you, and then what you have on the back of that is relationship with, with other people, as, as you say, yeah, yeah. which are part of it. You know, we share family and mutual friends yeah. who, you know, and, and and people, as you say, who who we don't know other than an mm-hmm. face, and I see now and again, mm-hmm. and then I go, oh, God, I haven't seen you for, for a while, and so yeah, yeah. and it's great. It's that kindred mm-hmm. sort of. Bond and you know when I've been doing these um, episodes, that's what a lot of people have, have sort of drawn onto. And you know, I think, God, we know this year's been tough. We know it's been very, very tough, and things have been taken away from us that we probably maybe took for granted. Um, you know, and you know, the idea that we've still got people that we can reach out to and people that are part of the pack is is massive. So. You know, it's good to at least virtually be speaking to people on this series to say, you know, hopefully, you know, in the not, I don't want to say not too distant future. We don't know what that holds right now, and, and we won't get into the details of it. But we we hope again, out of darkness come a flight, mm. and 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 we'll be back there again. And 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 in in terms of the current, as as you reference, you know, we're recording this the day after the Burnley game. You know, not great, but you know. This side for, for you, Aid. This must be must be the best side if you talk about Nuno as an era that you've had since 1980. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is. But again, let's not forget that those times 88, 89 into 90 and whatever, and, and the Bully England times. They were fantastic times. But yeah, this this team has been incredible these last three years. You know, okay, it didn't go our way at Burnley we're only consistent in our inconsistencies this year, it seems, but they're, they're fabulous. You know, it's a fabulous, fabulous team at the moment. We are very lucky to have seen what we've seen. You know, I'll mention that the Nevis goal, obviously inevitably at Derby, if anything will last a lifetime, it's that memory of that goal. I think we could all probably watch it, whether it's on Twitter or whatever, a thousand times and you'd watch it a thousand more straight away. You know, unbelievable. Jeff. <laughs> some great times and, and as I say hopefully there's there's more to come so um it's pretty much been covered the answer to this question within the, the podcast but it's the same question I ask everybody who's on on this on this series is if you can what what does it mean to you to be part of the pack um I think it's a lifetime membership 
You know, it's something that you don't pick. You know, it's not the latest Panini sticker album or I like the look of that kit. It's it's a given right. You know, you go to Molyneux, you, you see that team and it's your team. You absolutely do not change. You know, that that's our boys, you know, through thick and thin, we, we'll always be there. You know, it's my passion, it's my love and it'll be something that will never go. And now it looks like Logan's heading the same way. So, you know, it, whether it's an affliction, but no, he's certainly got some great times ahead of him. So it's all good. And, and, and you know, what could not be a better story than, you know, dad and its son and the journey yeah. in, which, in which it goes and which, and which how football goes and will take different ways and there'll be ups and there'll be downs mm. and we'll deal with those imposters is the same as, as the famous quote goes. So, no, I mean... You know, it's been great speaking to, to you, Aid. Um, you know, as I said at the start of the, the, the podcast, uh, we're at Christmas time, so it was a great opportunity to, to catch up with Aid, with how things are going. We'll hopefully be seeing each other in person very soon. Um, we hope everybody that's listening continues to stay safe and has a fantastic Christmas. Um, and if you want something for the Christmas period, if you want something to, to play over the period, uh, then as I mentioned at the start, you check out the Dancing Binmen online, Boogie Around the Bins at Christmas, um, in partnership with Stephen Barrett from the Wolfpack Howlers, and then download that and have a bit of fun at Christmas and stay safe. So, Abe, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, Ryan. It's been a pleasure to come on your show. And yet, yeah, obviously, to everyone listening, Merry Christmas, stay safe. See you soon. the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. When I had a boyfriend, did you think that we were sexually active? I sure didn't. I had to be naked. No, completely butt naked? Right, shoes on. Happy Mother's Day. I'm Nikki Levy and welcome to Don't Tell My Mother. Don't Tell My Mother is where celebrities like Adam Rippon, Constance Zimmer, Zainab Johnson, and Emily Hampshire tell true stories they'd never want their moms to know. And then they tell their moms. I would get up early and look at porn. You knew that. Yes. <laughs> you had your diary underneath the pillow. You read my diary? I did. <laughs> Subscribe to Don't Tell My Mother wherever you get your podcasts. If it's not one thing, it's, it's your, your mother. mother. Just don't tell my mother. Just don't, just don't, just don't. Acast recommends.